you are kind of turning into the digital equivalent of the guy from Breaking Bad that runs the uh, vacuum store. Yeah, <laughs> what's he? I'm not to call him up. Uh, do, have you seen Breaking Bad, or do you know the guy I'm talking about? No, no, I've not seen it. So there's the guy, basically, uh, who when when shit is really going wrong for you, like as a la- absolute last resort, you call up this old grizzled man who runs a vacuum store in Albuquerque, <laughs> and you ask for like a special service. It's like I need a, I need my rug, the deep clean service number twelve, uh, you know, with the special thing. And the guy goes, I understand. Uh, meet me on this corner and uh, say goodbye to your loved ones because uh, you're going to start a new life in Alaska. Wow. Um, so I reckon you're going to turn into the digital equivalent of that guy. Well, I mean, it's what I'm, it's what I'm striving for because <laughs> uh, well, increasingly I'm just like, I'm, I'm basically doing a if, then, if this, then that function. In in all my life, mm-hmm. whatever it is, does it bring joy to my life? If the answer is no, then yeet it the fuck out of my existence. I don't need it. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. That's uh, isn't that like the whole Marie Kondo approach to like getting shit out of your life? Well, I don't know. I did read Marie Kondo's book. Oh God, actually, you'll you'll you might. <laughs> Let me see if I can find it. I wrote a review. <laughs> oh, you did. Of course you did. Of course you did. Oh, hey, you made it. We weren't sure anyone was able to get the broadcast. We found this huge vault full of cool things from before the event. Yeah, do you want to come check it out? Welcome, welcome everyone to Don't Go Outside, your podcast broadcast from the post-apocalypse. We've just spent a good ten minutes uh, just absolutely dragging Marie Kondo through the mud. Uh, She'll have to de-tarnish her her reputation. I don't know know where that was going. Mm, I mean, let's not speculate on anyone's kinks, but I mean... Some people do have like messy kinks. Maybe you know that's uh, look. I'm not gonna. That's that's you, you know. You kink what? shame, Robin. You I'm not call me out at least once an episode for kink shaming some of the weird shit that you come out with. So that's very yeah. true. You know what, Marie? You know what? I think your writing's fucking atrocious. But I'm not. You do you. That's, you do you. That's that's my cap on Marie Kondo. Um. Okay. Yeah. So um, I can see at the top of the docket. At the top of the docket patch. And I'm very, very excited to talk about it again because I really enjoyed our last conversation about Assassin's Creed. And I am, I'm fired up. I'm fired up to talk about it again. And since it's your topic, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you roll. Fire in, man. Oh, I mean, I'm the one that played it. uh, So I'm (laughs) best qualified (laughs) to talk about it. This isn't a sequel to last week's topic, but just saying I was cutting together last episode's audio and I thought I have a lot more to say about Assassin's Creed than uh, we went through. We mainly talked about game difficulty which was a really good conversation but uh, I've since completed Assassin's Creed Odyssey uh, and it was a fun time. It's a really mm. good time actually. It's my first foray into the Assassin's Creed Odyssey since uh, since Black Flag. I got really bored of this series and uh, just jumped straight back into it. It's revived my interest in Assassin's Creed Really enjoyed exploring the world of ancient Greece. 
becoming a badass assassin, sneaking around, sailing the Aegean Sea, taking out a secret cult, and uh, getting my family back together, and just be, you know, it's really, it was really cool. It's a really well thought out, well constructed uh, approximation of of ancient Greece and Sparta. Hmm. Are you a Spartan? Uh, yes, you play the game as a Spartan, uh, at least someone who who was born a Spartan uh, and uh, the main character uh, grew up on the island of Cephalonia as an orphan and the aim of the game is basically to uh, to rejoin the kingdom of Sparta, kind of, actually because a lot of the game you're taking down a cult that controls all the greek world so you have to fight on the side of athens and fight on the side of sparta at times as well so your allegiance is torn uh it's just you know it's a simple story mechanic which is used as an excuse to um to pillage forts on both sides because that's really the main gameplay aspect of this game is to basically lower the nation power of uh of one nation so that the other one can take over you know, because uh, it's set during the Peloponnesian War, which is um, the war between Athens and Sparta. Um, so it's cool. Uh, lots of your usual Assassin's Creed political intrigue, you know, taking down secret societies. My one main disappointment with it was that the story just kind of ends. Hmm. And that the story doesn't really deal much with the Assassin's Creed you know which is the title of the game it's more just like here's a story about uh, a woman who lived in ancient Greece and took down a cult um, I don't really see how it connects to the overall lore of the Assassin's Creed series but then again I've been out of the game for a little while so this this series seems to have just taken on a life of its own um, uh, I mean I mean the last, the last one I played was uh, what was the Assassin's Creed where you play um, in the sort of early days of the United States of America, and you're on the oh, East Assassin's Coast. Creed Three. Assassin's Creed Three. Oh my God! And I played that not well. I mean, the main character is dull as dishwater. But what what really put me off it was the fact that like it kept doing all this like deep lore stuff, and I was like, you know what? I just I, I don't I don't give a fuck about this. I feel that it suffered a little bit of... Uh, have you looked into the Kingdom Hearts lore at all? I have looked into it a bit. I've only really played a little bit of the first Kingdom Hearts game, like when it first came out, fucking decades ago. But I think I think that um, Assassin's Creed kind of suffers from the same thing of like, it just seems like they've just added and added and added, and then you're like, what? So, so there's aliens and they're gods, and there's assassins who have god blood, but there's Templars who also have god blood? And then there's artifacts that were from the alien gods, and and you're in modern day, and you're going into previous DNA, and then what? <laughs> I, 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 I came, know. I came here to put knives in people. Um, <laughs> I know when it deviates from the putting knives inside of people, it kind of does get a bit sort of like too high concept. However, I will say that now they seem to be, um, as far as I can tell more consciously trying to put together the lore of the world whereas i think mm-hmm. you're correct and before they just had they had an idea of what the world was but they were just adding too much on top whereas now they seem to be like okay yeah it's ancient aliens that's fine we're just going to focus on that aspect of it uh at least that's what they're doing in um 
Assassin's Creed Odyssey. It's not even the main story. It's like a side quest where you have to find out who your true father is. And he's one of, like, he's descended from the ancient, like, the Isu race. Hmm. Um, I don't want to go too much into spoilers. The game's been out a year, but I don't want to give too much away in case people want to play it. Because I would recommend it if you've been out of the Assassin's Creed series for a while, like I have. It's a good reintroduction to the world. Um, hmm. It doesn't do really doesn't do any of the modern day stuff at the very beginning there's the modern day i guess assassins who've broken away from abstergo and they're like we're gonna find out the secrets of the precursor race with this spear that i found and it happened to belong to the main character of the game and then you don't hear from the modern day at all until about halfway through act two when they're like oh we're so close but you should take a break from being inside the inside the animus so, okay is there anything to do so nah okay okay cool. i'll just go back inside the animus then. just it's just so take weird. five bro have a have a smoke here's a coffee <laughs> i mean it's, it, it didn't enhance the story at all there were like some easter eggs that you could like look at and be like oh i here's something that's connected to the last game but it's i thought usually when the assassin's creed game takes you to the modern world there's a bit of story but it's just a tiny little room that you wander around just pressing x on things and getting some exposition and then you just go back into the animus. It's like, that was pointless. Um, and then you don't see the, from the modern world again until you discover Atlantis. And there's like, oh, we need to go find Atlantis. And then that's, yeah. So they've really pushed the modern day stuff to the back, which is great because that is the stuff I found the most boring about Assassin's Creed. As hmm. you say, it's kind of more about the, about the knives than it is about the spy stuff. However, we'll move on to spy stuff because I... Uh, yeah, well, as you'll hear as we move down the line, I think you could benefit from a bit of a spy action, could the old Assassin's Creed Odyssey or the Assassin's Creed series? Um, it definitely, definitely could. I, I, I've, I don't know if I've ever told you, but like, I always thought a World War Two setting would be pretty amazing. Like, either like uh, World War Two or like Cold War. Cold um, War. I've been thinking of Cold War as well, actually. I got really excited about a Cold War setting. <laughs> Is this because of the the pre the game we mentioned last week about um uh, about radio stations and uh, political censorship? No, not even. It's because I was watching because I watched uh, GoldenEye, uh, the James Bond movie this week, uh, around the same time as I was playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and the themes of both just mashed up in my head. Because I'd be playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey for like eight hours <laughs> that day. I was like, okay, I need a break. Time for some Bond. And uh, GoldenEye is kind of deals with like the remnants of the Soviet uh, of Soviet Russia and the USSR. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, well, imagine if you were like Assassin's Creed was set during the Cold War, but it was like it was like Connery era James Bond, mm-hmm. where like it was just that whole motif of like classic 60s spy almost like archer but like not really comedy but it wouldn't take itself too seriously but you had like lots of cool like 1960s style gadgets you could travel around the world like to cuba to like east berlin to do some stuff in america and like the uk really like tinker taylor soldier spy meets assassin's creed yeah sean connery 007 you know that'd be sick i'd love that and you could Uh see how the cold war progresses you know, you could start at the beginning, you know, at the end of World War Two, and potentially go right up until, you know, early 70s to 80s, you know? 
Yeah, man. Uh, that would be that'd be absolutely rad. I was I was thinking sort of uh, in World War Two resistance. You know, like actually oh, yeah. playing as a Nazi in the in the resistance, um, like a, a traitor. I think that you would mean just like Tom Cruise Valkyrie. Yeah, Tom Cruise Valkyrie, which is an incredible film, and it kind of got forgotten. Brilliant, and I really I loved the directorial choice to just be like let actors speak in their own accents you know but back to the back to the assassin's creed yeah i think both of those would be just rad settings there's actually there's quite a lot of settings that assassin's creed could adapt itself to they love they love this idea of recreating spaces well so i mean if they recreated cold war era berlin that would be pretty rad or just cold war era europe so you'd have the east versus the west Mm. And like Assassin's Creed Odyssey, you could like do missions for both because you yeah. know there there would be Templars on both sides of the of the Iron Curtain, as it were. Um, yeah, but I understand why Ubisoft are hesitant to go f- to modern era because then you get into the dilemma of well, do we bring automatic weaponry and like guns into it because Assassin's Creed isn't really about going around shooting people; it's about sneaking around stabbing folks you know yeah the stabbing's kind of important yeah whereas like if you were in the cold war you could be like well why don't we just give the guy like a semi-automatic he can just blast his way through i just think you could get around it really easily being like just have like your equivalent of q being like okay listen up 007 these are all your gadgets you're going into a high you're going into you know, an area where everyone's on high alert. You won't be able to take guns with you at all. So here's some gadgets you can use. That would be cool. Like, maybe the most you could get is, like, a silenced pistol. Really hmm. just, like, you know, get into... Take some take some uh, some inspiration from uh, from the more current Hitman games. Oh, that'd be good. Um, what popped into my head was just throw it all out the window and then try to make uh, the Castle Wolfenstein universe as part of the assassin's creed universe um my god (laughs) just how ludicrous that would be (laughs) like two games that couldn't be more opposite to each other Uh, (laughs) um so so yeah that's the mashup i'd like to see (laughs) yeah okay yeah sure i I I don't I... i don't want to see this at all <laughs> I was I I would definitely like to see Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy meets Assassin's Creed. I think that'd be really interesting. I'm on uh, board, man. I'm here for that. Yeah, it was a book. It's a book I tried to read ages ago, but it is very, very, very dry. I've not read the book or watched the film actually. The films, the film's fantastic, but it's just it's so. It's it's a spy movie, but it's not what you'd typically equate with being a spy movie it's just a lot of old white men chatting in a room about who the traitor might be and it's very compelling but you have to really get yourself in the mindset for that there's not a lot of like i think there's maybe about one one death in the entire movie maybe two there's one death that sets it off and there's a death at the very end if i'm remembering correctly of like who the traitor really was mm. but it's it you just have to really put yourself in the, okay i'm watching a spy movie but it's like old man spy. Everyone's retired, essentially. Um, <laughs> old man spies. It's old man, old men being spies and talking about who they think the mole is. Um, yeah, 
So, yes, anyways, that was I just wanted to gush about Assassin's Creed for a bit because I think I'm going to go back to the uh, to this series. Could I do some of the Ezio trilogy because I only really played Brotherhood and everyone everyone keeps saying how good the Ezio series was. So, uh, I believe you can get that on a little collection of games uh, now. So, I'll maybe do that. Ezio's Assassin's Creed 2, yeah? Yeah, so Ezio is Assassin's Creed 2 and then it's Brotherhood and then Revelations and then 3 is the American Revolution and then then it was Black Flag with 4 but uh yeah then I just kind of got bored of it which is annoying because I got bored of it at the point where Victorian London came in came on the scene and that was the setting I had wanted from the very beginning oh. I was like it'd be perfect if you could like leap across you know the rooftops of Victorian London and like fight Jack the Ripper that would be really cool uh, but then I got bored of the series, and they're like, "We're doing Victorian London." And I was like, "Ah, too late." <laughs> so <laughs> you've lost so me. So maybe I know. Maybe I'll go back because it'll be cheap now because it's yeah. been for a few years. So this will be my new total war. Is every episode will come in and start gushing about Assassin's Creed um, and the build-up to Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which got announced like days after we recorded the last episode. Um, what? So Lol, Assassin's what? Creed Valhalla. Uh, was announced. I honest, honestly, like we spoke about Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I was cutting together the last episode, and Assassin's Creed Valhalla was announced, which is um, basically set in uh, you're you're a Viking in medieval England, uh, fighting against old um, it's not it's not well, it's Nordic because you're Vikings, but it's uh, kind of old Saxon kings and stuff. Apparently, from my quick googling here. Some of it's going to be set in Scotland. Well, that makes sense. Oh, you know, we'll have like a lot of Viking shit happened, kind of in the north of England and in Scotland, Ireland as well. I'm looking forward to the Assassin's Creed take on the Viking world, but it doesn't really scream assassin to me. Yeah, you know? Vikings aren't really sn- sneaky assassins, are they? They're more. Uh, you know, God of War. God of War, right, okay, so God of War fitted that transition perfectly. Um, yeah. Because, you know, he's Kratos is just a big, angry dude who wants to chop up other dudes. Um, and now we've got Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and I'm, I'm looking at these images now, and it looks like a big, angry dude <laughs> with two big, angry axes ready to do some damage. <laughs> Some of the speculation I heard was that a lot of it would be you instigating like raids and battles, and then while that was going on, sneaking around the back and doing some shit. Um, ah. But like from the cinematic trailer, like there's a part where like Odin appears on the battlefield, so I wonder if there's going to be more of this ancient alien race being like, "Oh, I am Odin. I am a god, but I'm also one of the ancient peoples, and I want to give you all my Viking power." Um, but yeah, I mean, it looks it looks cool. I'm I'm excited. I'm more excited about this having played Assassin's Creed Odyssey than I would have been had I not played any Assassin's Creed game for like seven years. So yeah, I, I'm I think I'll play some more Assassin's Creed in the build up to Valhalla because uh, it comes out around Christmas time. You know, uh, lockdown uh, permitting. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, man. Um. So, do you know what the most demanded Assassin's Creed um, location and time is? What's that? 
Japan. Japan. Yeah, now people have been talking about Feudal Japan for for a long time when it comes to Assassin's Creed. We have so many games at the moment set in Feudal Japan. You don't really need an Assassin's Creed game to do that. Yeah, um, the thing is, it actually... So, the, the Sengoku Jidai, which is like the Warring States period, it was like, every country is going through this bit. It's when your country gets shattered into lots of smaller bits, and then everyone kills everyone. Like, turbo civil war. Like, they did yeah. it in the UK, did it in Italy, did it in... It, like, everywhere did it. Uh, Romans did it, Greeks did it, Holy Roman Empire did it. You know, <laughs> everyone. Um, but... What's what's good about uh, the Japanese setting would be the fact that there's so many little niche ones and it fits really well into that whole um, making different areas play off each other, which you seem to have mentioned in Odyssey. Um, yeah. And so I think it would fit quite well, but I do think there... I mean, it seems pretty focused on European history, doesn't it? So far, uh, so far, yeah. Uh, European history, which then extends into American history, which, you know, the history of America is very much linked with Europe. So, yeah, it, it does focus very much on European stuff, but <laughs> who knows what the future can bring. Anything is possible at this point. If they're going to do Vikings, then, you know, why not? <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, it's big old world, man. I mean, what about, like, uh, oh, so, you know, Masamun- Masamuna? Masa Mansa the the really rich Ethiopian king, speculated to be the richest yeah, man. Yeah, Mansa ever Musa, lived. my favorite civilization leader. In um, civilization five. That's the, that dude. Can yeah. you imagine uh, an Assassin's Creed um, game set in that area and the era? Oh my god, that'd be, that'd be so cool. cool. That'd be really cool, man. Um, I'd, be for, I'd be up for some African assassins. You yeah. Know? Get some Black um, Panther shit on the go. I mean, they would have to borrow heavily from Black Panther, wouldn't they? Yeah. Because so much of that is just so cool. Um, But yeah, man. So they've got quite a lot of countries' cultures to do, don't they? Yeah, they've got they've got a lot of work to do. Ubisoft. So I hope you're hope you've got your finger out. (laughs) A lot. You've got a lot to get through. Uh, No, but I honestly think the the Cold War spy stuff. I can't think of a game that has done anything in that setting in this genre like nothing really comes to mind there's probably one there's probably dozens but yeah in terms of modern you know current gen gaming there hasn't been a cool cold war setting um closest thing i can think of is um did you ever play the saboteur on the xbox 360 uh the saboteur no i didn't but i remember it that was pretty much like Grand Theft Auto meets Assassin's Creed, set in Nazi-occupied France. Isn't oh it cool? wow! Yeah, uh, that was pretty much the closest thing I, th- I could think of, um, which you know could 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 be due a little remaster or hmm. revisit. You know, you could probably pick that up for super cheap on Steam. I don't think it was that popular, was it? No, it didn't sell very well, but it was really good. I, I think it reviewed quite well. I mean, I certainly enjoyed it. It was reviewed very well by myself. Uh, <laughs> one of the uh, most uh, prestigious uh, game reviewers in the business. I don't think my reviews were enough to push it to uh, to best to get to game of the year status. Uh, hmm. Let's see. I'm gonna, 
my mecha- my mechanical keyboard is right next to the mic, but I'm gonna look up the saboteur. Oh, good on God. Steam. Uh, every key, is- every key pressed. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell! It's so you, it's so you know that I can. Uh, I've got Google at my fingertips. I can, I can. If we need something fact checked, I can quickly just it, bring it up. Patch, it, it's actually like a comedy sound effect of a keyboard. <laughs> That's good. That's why I left it in last episode. I enjoyed it. It was like, well, let me check. Click, 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 click. Um, but yeah, the saboteur. Sorry to say, not on Steam. Uh, so you might have to go into the uh, Xbox 360 back catalogue for that one. Son. Mm. Oh, my, my review's actually at the top. I've got, <laughs> I've got a top review. Oh, oh God. shut up. Hang on, I'm going to bring up Audible myself. Hang on. Quite a, quite a lot of people have smashed this, man. Um, right, okay. Let me read. read. I'll read some other people's, then I'll, I'll read, read your mind. Um, What's the name of our book? And the name of the book that I put on blast was The Life-Changing Magic of Tidy. Alright, yeah, cool. I'm bringing it up now. You you do your thing, I'll, I can read along. Uh, okay. Um, so, the top review, just one above mine, is titled Bland, Sterile, and Utterly Joyless. The book equivalent of boil-in-the-bag rice. <laughs> <laughs> Hid- hideous. The woman has found a way of monetizing her neurosis and I helped her do it. Don't give her any more money, for God's sake, she'll only write more books. I've no idea why I even went there, but I did. I've taken one for the team, so you don't need to. Just get some decent storage and stop buying shite and you'll just be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Man, we really went off on one with Assassin's Creed, I enjoyed that. I mean, it's... Look, they're, they're pretty good games, you know? Um, they're interesting, um, and I like the idea of recreating historical settings. It's, I mean, it's cool stuff. It's cool stuff. Um, yeah. yeah, and I would. I think you'll enjoy the Ezio setting. I, I only played Assassin's Creed 2, but I, I just... Ezio's a great character. <laughs> like, he's just... He's basically just like a mad Italian shagger, you know? <laughs> just <Yeah. laughs> like cutting about being a total wido. Um, one of my favorite parts is when uh, so there Da Vinci is in it, and uh, oh, yeah. Da Vinci's basically he like creates all the cool stuff. He recreates the 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 wrist blade and stuff like that. But there's one scene where Ezio's uh, sorry, like Da Vinci's one of the first people to be drinking coffee, and then uh, he gives gives Ezio a try, and Ezio's like, oh, it's nice. Maybe you could could add a bit of cream bit of sugar and then da vinci like is like no you don't understand <laughs> like proper <laughs> italian pata <laughs> not good enough you don't get to have nice coffee fuck off <laughs> it just really, really cracks me up um so yeah assassin's creed there you go there's there's the don't official don't go outside stamp assassin's creed good series <laughs> very well done you heard it here first guys assassin's creed I think this series can go places. It's got potential. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, we should take a percentage for that recommendation, really. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'd never do a sponsored video by Ubisoft because I'd feel kind of gross. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I'll happily just talk about it for free. Just, yeah, sure. Assassin's Creed, why not? <laughs> Who knew? Um, moving on, because uh, I think we... Because we have... We have juiced the Assassin's Creed for quite a lot of juice. 
Um, can we talk about your comic book corner? I, I see you've been uh, engaging in some pretty interesting stuff. I dove headfirst back into the world of comic books after taking a big old break. Um, for no particular reason, I just wasn't in the mood to read comics for a while. But I'm back now, I'm back baby. I've got the Marvel Comics app on my phone uh, where I can uh, just... Well, it's exclusively Marvel stuff, as you'd imagine. Um, there's other comic book apps you can get, but I, I went for the Marvel one. So, you know, fuck you. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. Um, so, first thing I want to talk about uh, is uh, Absolute Carnage, which is a series that came out uh, just last year. It's pretty new, pretty fresh, pretty hot stuff. It's a new kind of event in the Marvel uh, comic book universe uh, which I think is still going on because uh, I was surprised at how kind of abruptly the story finished but I think this is something that's going to continue through this year. I'm kind of behind on kind of my in-universe Marvel news as to what's been going on uh-huh. but uh, Absolute Carnage focuses on um, the relationship between Venom and Carnage Right. basically in the mainline Marvel Universe lore uh, Cletus Cassidy, who is the host for Carnage, for the Carnage symbiote, has been dead for a couple of years. Um, but the symbiote has been awakened and has brought Cassidy's corpse back to life, and it has started to harvest uh, symbiote samples from um, other characters in the Marvel universe who have hosted the symbiote in the past. Uh, which is right. a lot of people I didn't realize that had done it, like. Um, uh, Thaddeus Ross who is the guy that became the Red Hulk he hosted the symbiote at one point so he's got a bit of Red Hulk in there um, and like lots of like Z-list characters but now he's coming kind of for the mainline uh, Marvel Universe uh, to get me- to get meta about it that's kind of why it's now become important because there was a guy impersonating Eddie Brock in prison who was actually like a, a like a Venom clone well, essentially, it's just a horror story uh, set in kind of the Venom Carnage universe, uh, where Carnage wants to reawaken the god of the symbiote planet, where all the symbiotes came from. Uh, turns out that planet was just a... not so much a planet as like a construct, just thousands upon thousands of symbiotes creating a prison around this dead celestial god who basically created the symbiotes as a way to infect the planet with his evil. Um, but they turned against him and now have encased him in this big planet-sized construct. Wow. Um, but Carnage now wants to reawaken him, and he can do that by gathering the power of uh, a bunch of uh, the superheroes. Because mm-hmm. uh, Captain America has had the Venom symbiote, apparently. So has Wolverine. Um, and uh, the Thing, as well, from the Fantastic Four. And obviously Spider-Man and Venom play a big part in this as well. So it's basically a race against time to extract the Venom symbiote from uh, Captain America, Wolverine and the Thing. And -hmm. also Eddie Brock's uh, son uh, has some... Because he's Eddie Brock's son, he's got some Venom in him as well. Uh, So it's a race against time to get them... Uh, disinfected as it were before Carnage comes and just basically tears the symbiote out of them and becomes all powerful and turns the planet Earth into essentially just non-stop carnage and bloodshed um, so it's pretty full on heavy metal stuff you know Wow. 
it's like I was talking about last week, just like evil shit, <laughs> like and horror taking yeah. the planet. Um, but apparently, uh, Norman Osborn thinks he's Cletus Cassidy. He got taken over by Carnage, who drove him insane. So there's technically, so there's two Carnages running around. Uh, one hell. is Norman Osborn believing he's Carnage, and then there's actual Carnage, which is this tall, walking like skeleton. He just harvests people. Uh, it's a lot of fighting. It's weird. It's it's good until it becomes sort of like superheroes fighting each other, which is like yeah, every comic book event becomes this superheroes fighting each other eventually. Uh, but it's it, the 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 horror build up is really good, and the way it's kind of storyboarded is really interesting. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'd recommend that. Um, and as I say, I think that's going to continue for the next like year. Uh, the kind of repercussions of this event have seem to have had an effect on other characters in the Marvel Universe. So I'm going to follow it quite closely. I mean, a uh, horror setting comic is definitely the kind of thing that I'm into. I mean, where where I sort of lose interest is is where you said, I mean, when it's just, you know, the characters we all know knocking lumps out of each other. It's just like, nah, you know, I, I find yeah, it like- hard to get excited for that. Ah, it's just like pull yourself together. You're infected. It's like, oh, cool. Just, <laughs> just fight the big carnage monster already. Yeah, you know? exactly. Uh, we're all gonna we're all gonna fight, then we're gonna team up, and we're gonna kill the carnage monster. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, but that <laughs> you know? side of it is kind of uh, that side of it is very minimal. Like uh, the the kind of tension and build up that comes from like the carnage infection taking over New York. Like he's he takes over an insane asylum. And just infects people with the carnage uh, symbiote. Hmm. So there's tons of like carnage monsters running around. That's all quite cool. Uh, so yeah, uh, absolute carnage. Uh, if you can get your hands on it, I recommend it because uh, it's uh, really really cool. Got me back into kind of got me back into reading Marvel comics. Hmm. Because I've read a couple of crap ones uh, since I read that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> one like I was like, oh, because there's been other like you know world shaking Marvel events. Uh, like War of the Realms which on paper sounds cool it's basically like every Marvel hero gets given the power of the Asgardians oh awesome so they're all going to go on like a Thor adventure but it's just like the whole like the whole 182 page book is just like one big battle which on paper you know sounds cool but the, the writing's not great because every character is like the wisecracker and it's like you can't have every character cracking wise you have to have someone who is kind of you have to have the straight man and the wisecracker but you can't have everyone just being like oh sarcastic all the time you know yeah that's it gets real shit real fast yeah so i got i got i read it i read the whole thing but i was just like yeah could it could have been better um what else did i read I, i wanted to talk about um the final host as well yeah, this looks interesting. Yeah, man. Uh, so the final host is kind of like sort of a another world-shaking event, which I think predates the carnage, uh, the absolute carnage. So this is the the, the new run of Avengers, uh, where the Avengers essentially get it's like the band getting back together because uh, Iron Man <laughs> was in the coma for a while. Uh, Thor and Captain America were off doing their own thing. And literally, they're just having a coffee, reminiscing about the old days, being like, "Oh, why don't we be the Avengers?" When like, uh, when he 
like a hundred foot tall metal giant just fall from the sky. <laughs> like, okay, we're gonna go be <laughs> Avengers now. Um, That's pretty funny. That, yeah, <laughs> more than that, it kind of focuses on um, on kind of the history of the Marvel universe, which is quite interesting. Uh-huh. There's a side story that deals with like a prehistoric version of the Avengers, which includes oh, wow. like, Odin, Odin instead of Thor, and like it's all these like. A lot of Marvel heroes carry titles that have been around for centuries. So, you know, like Black Panther, uh, the Iron Fist, Ghost Rider. Mm -hmm. uh, It deals with, like, a prehistoric Avengers, which is, like, Odin, who's, like, been around for millennia, obviously, because he's Odin, the god. And it's, like, the the very first Black Panther, the very first Iron Fist, the first person to have the Phoenix Force within them, and, like, Agamotto, as in, like, you know... Uh, Doctor Strange has the Eye of Agamotto like uh, symbol. Yeah, he's he's like the first sorcerer supreme. Uh, so it keeps cutting back to like the ancient, not the Grand Wizard. No, no, not the Grand Wizard. No, the the sorcerer supreme uh, is the more politically correct term. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that the the idea. It's like oh, and now. Doctor Strange, you're the Grand Wizard. Then everyone's just like, no! no. <laughs> you can't say that. You can't say that, guys. Fucking quickly, quickly, what can we call it? No, the clan, uh, clan uh, own that. <laughs> We're the cl- uh, and be called racist. Fucking, let's call him uh, the Sorcerer Supreme. Okay, guys, yeah, so let's put up these big banners that say SS everywhere. No, no, no. <laughs> Stop. Cease and desist. I like that. That's good. Um, yeah, so the first Sorcerer Supreme yeah, uh, teams up with the first Ghost Rider, the first Phoenix, the first Black Panther, and Odin uh, to fight a Celestial who has fallen to Earth. And rather than... It kind of catches up right when they finished basically destroying it. And they're all thinking like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have killed this thing. Maybe we should have you know, asked why it fell to Earth rather than immediately destroying it and cuts to millennia later the aftermath of this of right. uh, of celestial beings coming to earth and uh, you know they're like 200 feet tall robots like just you know their their entire mind is like a galaxy uh, and they they just come to basically seek revenge on on this fo- on their fallen uh, brother uh, but as the story as the story goes on you see it's more complicated than that and a lot of the heroes really learn kind of you know really why is it earth in particular that uh, that has all the superheroes why is it new york in particular that has all the superheroes it's because you know it, could it be because the celestial died thousands of you know millions of years ago and it's like super special celestial blood has been seeping out into the into the literally into mm. the earth uh, seeding all this special spectacular stuff for millennia and now we have superheroes so it's, I thought that was a really cool kind of um, uh, what's the word a, a really cool take on the idea of why there are superheroes in this world I mean it's a really useful me- mechanic to explain the whitewashing of comic books and uh, why there's just a hugely disproportionate amount of white white uh, superheroes uh, <laughs> no, 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 that's all changing now, Robin. It's, uh, there's, you know, that's, that's, that's been, a <laughs> that's been, that's been different for a while now. Really? I mean, 
if we were if we were to graph it out, really, are you are you telling me that it's uh, it's no? I mean, propor- if we were to graph it out, then it would be disproportionate. But I but definitely, I think the the people over at Marvel are making a more conscious effort to have a more diverse crew of uh, of heroes. Well, I mean, they've got a real get out clause with uh, with the old celestial being in uh, being in North America. Producing all these white superheroes. Uh, yeah, I mean there is there is that. Um, although I think the Celestial was in Antarctica. I think they they end up in Antarctica, like deep underground. Um, oh wow! Yeah, so it's basically like yeah, I'm mainly taking the, the piss. To the be planet. honest, I know, I know. <laughs> just, just, you, <laughs> just triggered you. something within me. <laughs> I, I could see that. Um, so the core of the planet is where all the celestial seepage has gone. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember whether like the celestial is the planet's core. I don't think it's quite that extreme, but yeah, it's basically mm. like the 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 prehistoric Avengers buried this thing so far deep beneath the Earth that it might as well be um, be the planet's core. Hmm. Yeah. So well, I thought that was a really interesting. It's just and like. I really liked it because the action sequences are really well planned out and like the artwork's really cool and it puts together like a new Avengers team which like I've not seen before uh like it's like Ghost Rider is involved but it's like the new Ghost Rider who's like rather than a a man on a motorbike he's a Latino kid from LA and he drives like a like a (laughs) lowrider instead of instead of like you know like a white uh a white uh Harley Davidson riding uh biker man you know? Uh what's the original Ghost Rider like? The prehistoric Ghost Rider? Oh, he he's a skeleton that rides atop a flaming mammoth. It's pretty badass. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Oh my he just smashes through shit on a mammoth. Um Oh yeah, yeah, that's another thing. Like the prehistoric takes on all these uh heroes is really well thought out. Like the black the first Black Panther is just a guy who just who's I guess he discovered like the secret plant that gives yep. him the panther strength and he's just wearing like basically like panther pelts and cl- and he's got panther claws uh so yeah it's very like caveman-esque that's rad man yeah man i'd recommend uh reading avengers the final host as well as absolute carnage they're both interesting uh looks into the marvel universe which i think they're kind of taking a new you know they're both new events that are kind of uh that have turned the tide of um of the current Marvel uh world. So if you're looking to get caught up, uh now's your chance. I mean I, I like the primordial stuff. I, I have to say that's piqued my interest. Yeah, I hope they um, do more of that. I didn't want that to just be like a cameo. I like I was reading through it and I was like, is there more of this? I need I need more prehistoric Avengers. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, it's a, it's a cool way of doing things. Mm-hmm. Especially cuz it's like Odin as well. It's like he's just been around you know for millennia <laughs> he's seen a few things yeah um well um shall we shall we just quickly uh rick and morty new episode came out have you seen it i did yeah uh rick and morty still good rick and morty still good uh let yeah. me just check my watch uh yeah rick and morty still good rick and morty still good okay let's move on can I read your one? <laughs> yeah, you can read mine. That's fine then. <clears throat> this is 
a review of the life-changing magic of tidying by one user Robin on audible.com you one star on the 28th of May 2019 so almost a year ago now yeah titled sexist elitist drivel written from the perspective of someone with deeply outdated opinions on gender and no experience of ever ever being poor the method is the exclusive plaything of those that can simply replace anything that is thrown away capped off with some pseudoscientific nonsense about the dietary benefits of diarrhea this book is more suited to being a stuffy victorian manual for good housewives written by a hateful misogynist rather than the modern age wouldn't recommend unless you have a fetish for condescension well there you go <laughs> 31 people found this helpful uh, 31 pretty good this is pretty good going um so i had another couple of points but actually you know what i think we i think i i overdid my i over egged my segment with the condo blast um, I mean, the condo blast was pretty heavy. I do. <laughs> I am interested to hear your thoughts on Adam Sandler because I had some thoughts. You've seen Uncut Gems. I have not seen Uncut Gems, but uh, just the question you raise alongside Uncut Gems being, is Adam Sandler good? Just if you want to make it really short, I'd say, yeah. I mean, it's a lot more complicated than that, but I like him. <laughs> I think that Adam Sandler exists as one of these strange paradoxical actors in the, the same vein as Nicolas Cage, whereas he is both good and bad at the same time. Now, mm-hmm. Uncut Gems is, I mean, it's a, it is a good film. I actually managed only managed to get halfway through it because it was just, the characters are all awful. They're horrible people. They're just horrible. Uh, it's one of those. And, and I was watching it and halfway through I was just like, I can't take this anymore. I want to I wanna watch some, some nice people cook some food on YouTube and go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I was like, I was, I was spent, but yeah, it's an incredible filming style, and it's, uh, it's relentless. But Adam Sandler is, I mean, he's got chops, and what it made me think is, he's it, Adam Sandler makes Adam Sandler films because Adam Sandler fans want them, and it pays, it pays the rent. Like, why do we have this opinion of all actors that? We hold them to such a high bar. Why, like, we, one, we hold them to such a high bar, and two, we're sort of like shitting on the audiences who enjoy this stuff. It's like, yeah, okay, these people enjoy Adam Sandler films. Adam Sandler's happy to make them. You know, what's wrong? You know, it's not. That's it's not true. taking. It's not taking away from the masterpieces that people enjoy. But I anyway, mean, there, so there are the dark. There are the dark times, like uh, Jack and Jill, and. Uh, and that's my boy, but uh, he's got some yeah. shiners. He's got some shiners in there, you know. But Happy Gilmore, not not Happy it's Gilmore. A good, it's a good film. I'll tell you what, let's stick a pin in this, and we'll come back to it next episode. I'll watch Uncut Gems as homework for next time. We can yeah, go good out, idea. And we can go full. We can we can go balls deep into Sandler uh, next <laughs> uh, next episode. We can we can put Adam Sandler on trial. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> so a great. Should we just have put people on blast once per episode. It'll be a new segment. <laughs> Adam Sandler on blast. I quite like it because I mean, like, absolutely piling into Condo was a lot of fun. <laughs> Again, I'm really sorry. I'm sure she's a lovely person, but my god, uh, all these people, I'm sure they're lovely guys. But at the end of the day, you're just <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell. right. Um, so to move on to our topic of the week, our topic of episode episode 22 of don't go outside and it's focus 
on Extraction, the new Netflix special, with Chris Hemsworth being a big sexy mercenary. What did you think? What was your what was your immediate reaction? My immediate reaction to the extraction um, was an action that I cannot explain. Right? No, and that I- <laughs> was that was a solid effort, man. It was a solid effort. I liked. It. I know. I got extraction and reaction. I thought, oh, maybe I can do something with this. But no, um, my immediate reaction to the movie, yeah, it's it's good. It's not as fantastic as I thought it was going to be because uh, I'd heard a lot of big talk about it. Uh, but it's fine. I mean, we can go deeper into it because it's our topic of the week, so we got to get deeper into it. Um, but I liked to imagine that this is. Uh, uh, um, Chris Hemsworth's gap year after just spending a lifetime as the god of thunder and he spent his gap year he's gone to India to find himself <coughs> and he's made a little movie called Extraction and we're going to talk about it right now here on the Don't Go Outside podcast um, I had quite a lot of thoughts about this so my most basic reaction is if you don't think about it and this is just moving wallpaper for you and it's just you're watching a big sexy man with big, sexy, strong arms, do some action shit, then, you know what? Yeah, you're going to get a lot out of this film. Like, it's it's good. Um, it's, uh, you can feel, you can feel the DNA from the raid in it. Like, yeah, definitely. it's definitely taken a lot, a lot of hits from the raid. Um, and that whole John Wick gunplay thing going on yeah. as well. The action was very well choreographed. Like, the little, like, at least the close quarters... Uh, combat was very well coordinated I was reading that there was an 11 minute one take segment which is which is pretty wild for 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 like the spect- spectacle in that film I mean that's not that's not a cheap thing to produce no I I, I mean I lo- you know I love me a one take um, and yeah well, as soon as I realised that was one take going on I was like oh here we go let's just see how long this goes on for and by god like that like that single take, I think it's from when he rescues the boy uh, right through pretty much until a car, the, like the big bus crash. I think that might be when it cuts off. But yeah, it was pretty impressive. You could see, you could definitely see where they'd put cuts in. But the effort that they'd gone to to make it seem like one continuous flow and to really capture the chaos of trying to escape uh, the apartment complex was really well done. Yeah. It was. I mean, that's that was the that was the scene that like made me think. Right. Okay. They've really taken from. They've really learned from and taken from the raid here. Yeah. Um, it was also getting strong dread vibes, strong John Wick vibes. You know, um, it's in that vein of just good, well-made modern action film. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it's. I like that. Because um, I don't think I've really watched too many of netflix's like original movies and i think this is the first one that i've been conscious of like oh let's see what netflix can bring to the table which i know i'm quite late to that opinion because they've been making their own films for years i know you're quite (laughs) a big fan of um the idris elba one was the child soldier one oh my god beasts of no nation yeah one of the great one of the greatest films that that has been made in the modern age Maybe that's a big statement, but it's very good. <laughs> Which is like I know it's a Netflix original, like and that got lots of acclaim when it came out. 
and I would quite like to watch it, but I just don't know if I can get myself in the mood of watching a harrowing film about child soldiers, you know? But I will watch it one day. Um, well, I would recommend it. Uh, I mean, maybe, like, buckle in, you know, get yourself get yourself some, like, you know, nice watching afterwards lined up, you know, get some Rick and Morty, get some Bob Ross, just, like, lined up, ready to go. So after you've uh, sat and stared at a wall for half an hour after it finishes, because that's what you'll do, then yeah. pop on the Bob Ross, feel good about your life again. Just to link this back to Extraction, there was some stuff in this. Oh, by the way, should we plop in a little spoiler alert for Extraction, by the way? Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, spoiler alert now. I mean, if we're going to talk about it quite in depth, so go see it if you don't want... Well, go see it. Sit in your living room and watch it. Uh, if you don't want us to spoil it, and if you don't care, continue listening. You yeah. have been warned. Spoilers from here on out. Because uh, I wanted to link this back to Extraction. Like, There's the scene where it introduces like the main villain, and his henchman's just chucking boys off a roof. That's <laughs> an intimidation tactic. I was it's like, wild. I- I was like, oh, is this going to be one of those movies where I just feel sad about orphans for like the rest of the day? Because um, one it's thing, so I'm, brutal. I know because the film doesn't really get that dark from that point on, but it just takes a real dip into like, oh shit, this is this this is just a lot of an orphan in uh, in the in the universe of this film, you know, and maybe mm-hmm. maybe in real life, I don't really know, you know, the politics of. Um, of uh, this city in Bangladesh where this is set but um, it could be true to real life but maybe not but one thing I was going to ask you in preparation for watching uh, um, Beast of No Nation on a scale of you know extraction uh, to you know maybe old boy on the upsetting meter like how (laughs) how bad is Beast of No Nation I would give uh, Beasts of No Nation two and a half times the sadness of Old Boy. Really? <laughs> I'm fucking serious, man. Okay, okay, <laughs> cool. Just to just to uh, deviate from the main topic of it, I just wanted to to get that in there. Okay, yeah. So extraction. So yeah, the so yeah the the so the I feel I feel um yep. so I think. I've got out. I've got it out the way that, like, yeah, it's a big fun action film. It's fine, you know. It's good. I would give it like, uh, you know, it's a watch it for for action film. But then there are these moments of tonal shift that I find weird, like the kids getting thrown off the roof. And then there's one point um, in the film where Big Boy Chris is putting uh, the the kid to bed, and then the kid says. Oh, sometimes I'll my dad will come home and I'll have dinner with him and I'll think about all the men he's killed, all the other people's dads he's killed that day, and I feel sick. And then uh-huh. it's like, and Chris like thinks about his kid and has a little cry, and this is supposed to be a heartfelt moment. And then I was thinking, 183 people have been killed by Chris Hemsworth in this film. 183 people. Well, by that and, point in the movie. Uh, maybe not by that point, but throughout the whole course of the film, 183 people die. Human beings who aren't necessarily the big bad guy who threw a kid yeah. off a, a fucking building. These are just coppers, you know? And they got they got murdered um, by by Captain, Captain Chris uh, to save this one kid. 
And it becomes, like, it's a, it's a bit of a moral dilemma there. Yeah, as I was watching the final sequence, I did consider whether or not we should title this review uh, Chris Hemsworth Murders the Baghdad Military. Because, like, <laughs> <laughs> that is just what it becomes. Because I know the point is, is that the the evil, you know, the, the drug lord has, like, the, the police in his pocket. But, like, at, at some point you have to question whether he is just murdering soldiers and police that aren't on the guy's payroll. You know, because they'll, they'll have been told that he's a terrorist, sure. So you're, but you're on the side of Chris Hemsworth because you wanted to survive, but then you're like, wait, well, at which point is he just murdering the innocent? You know, <laughs> that's the uh, that's the thing, really. Most of these people are are, are just going to be doing their job, you know. See, I think things like the raid gets away with it because it's made very clear that the whole building they're baddies. Yeah, uh, dread gets away with it because. The only people who are attacking him are baddies. Um, and John Wick gets away with it because it's very clear that all the people hunting John Wick are are other assassins or gang members that are trying yeah. to kill him. Whereas this is just like, these are just coppers. <laughs> just like, they're just policemen. they're just blue-collar workers. <laughs> I know, exactly. And they had families to go home to and now they don't because they've been blasted by Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> yeeted into the stratosphere. Exactly. Um, um, so I found it. I found it morally difficult. Um, if, if for a second you remove yourself out of the, out of the sort of fun of it being an action film, and I think that's where it strays wrong. To be honest, I think if they didn't have that scene with the throwing the kids off the roof, and they didn't have that scene where the kid um, uh, mentions that about feeling sick when his dad kills kills people. And they didn't have that scene where Chris Hemsworth's mate says, oh, the best thing you can do is put a bullet in that kid's head. Think of all the chaos that's been caused. Because these three points, these three points, um, they kind of just, they make you think about the film as a whole and then they force you to face up to the fact that, yeah, loads of people died to keep this kid alive. Um, because of Chris Hemsworth and his weird, uh, like guilt complex anyway um so yeah please please go on what what were you gonna say um yeah i know it's it's bizarre to kind of be on the side of the uh of the mercenaries which traditionally say if this is a film from like the 80s it would be flipped it would be like you know chris hemsworth you know is is an ex-military with nothing left to lose, and there's a paramilitary organization that's kidnapped a child, and he has to take out all these ruthless mercenaries. But no, it's the ruthless mercenaries who are fighting the military, <laughs> who <laughs> the soldiers have everything to lose. And it's like, it's just, and, it's, and the it's, it's not like the film at any point poses this question, because it would be interesting if it was like if it did have the sort of do you realize you're just a mercenary who just kills people which it asks that question but i don't think it really as you say it doesn't really go far enough in that direction yeah um, it's 
it's almost like they sort of pulled their punch a little bit. It's like, oh, we could yeah. discuss this, but we're not gonna just uh, go back into your slumber. It's just an action film, and it's like yeah. you can't have you can't have it both ways, guys. You got to either be like, this is a really morally ambiguous film. We're gonna discuss the fact that this dude's a mercenary who's killing a hundred eighty-three people um, <laughs> to save one kid because of his because of his guilt about leaving his his uh, his daughter or son, can't remember which, to die of. Uh, lymphoma or leukemia and um, that's that's morally ambiguous or like all the other scenes oh it's just some big tough guy saving a kid you know like <laughs> you can't have it both ways robin just imagine you're 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 deep 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 asleep at night just having the most wonderful wonderful dream in your house and i and then you're suddenly just rocked awake a little bit by me psst, psst, hey robin robin and you turn around you're like uh, what, what is it? It's like the Chinese are building concentration camps for Muslims. It's like what? Oh, no, it's nothing. Just go back to sleep, Robin. It's fine. It's like, oh, okay, but like it's the it's the filmic equivalent of of that. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> you are totally right because it's like oh yeah, I'm here for the action. Oh no, a kid's getting thrown off the roof. What? No, no, I gotta go back to sleep. It's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. We just want to show you how evil the world is before, uh, before uh, you know, the world gets destroyed by an American. Not an American. Excuse me. Australian. An Australian, which you know, it's fine. He's an Australian. I mean, okay. So props to the film as well for you know using so many actors from India and Bangladesh, like rock and roll. Um, but still, you have a big whiter than a white dude ripping <laughs> through the city destroying it and killing lots of uh, bangladeshi people <laughs> like, i mean it's it's a bit sketchy for a drug dealer's son no less yeah for a drug dealer's son mm. <laughs> and, you know i suppose david harbour does kind of pose that question to him he's like listen there's how much good are you really doing because he's the son of a drug dealer and he's, his lot in life is pretty crap. I was hoping the film would be like, well, let's just extract the child entirely and raise him as part of this paramilitary court and he can just be like an intel guy. You know, I thought maybe it would go in, in like a in a slightly more cheesy, I guess, direction. Be like, nah, we're just going to take you, yeah. we're just going to kidnap you, kid. You're going to live with us. And the kid was going to be like, yeah, fuck, fuck this. My, my dad's a <laughs> shit... And I want to grow up with you, Chris Hemsworth, in Australia. <laughs> I don't know if oh. that would have been a more interesting take, but, you know, that was my take on it. I just think, um, I don't know. I think if you had cut out the scenes, literally those scenes, uh, the, uh, the the kid getting chucked off the roof and the scene in in the bedroom with with the kid, Oh, there's no scene in the bedroom with the kid. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not that kind <laughs> well, of film. It's the, scene, it's it's the scene where the it's the scene where the child does nothing but just ask questions in order to force exposition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And now, what else? And what else? Tell us more of your backstory. Because <laughs> there's no um, opportunity for that backstory apart from the mysterious flashbacks. So they have to sit, yeah. they have to put them in a room together so the child can be like. Who are you? I'm a grizzled old man. Where are you from? <laughs> Australia. Do you have any family? I used to. What happened? They died. Why? Blah, blah. Oh, excuse <laughs> me. I think that just made me throw up a little bit. But uh. Yeah. 
But what but I would say is, like, as an action film on its own, without those segments, I would be like, yeah, man, fully heartily recommended. But because of those, like, tonal changes, it makes the film a lot more hard to take, you know? Yeah, no, totally, I agree. And it would have... If it was just a straight-up action flick with no moral question, I wouldn't have been so pissed off at the really annoyingly obvious betrayal that comes at the hands of David Harbour when it's like, we're going to get you to a safe house. Oh, Jesus. Oh, you know you're not supposed to trust him. It's fine. He owes me his life. (laughs) Like 20 minutes later, I betrayed you. Sorry. (laughs) I saw that coming a mile off. Oh, we all did, man. It was... Oh, I mean... Yeah, and that that could be totally forgiven if it was just a big dumb action film. Mm. Um, I think we're going to have to talk about the end scene. Uh, or the very end. Yeah, really. So, so for context, for context, Chris Hemsworth has been—he is full of holes. He has been shot to fuck. <laughs> He's shot dead. to ribbons, blown to smithereens, <laughs> dies head first dead. off of a bridge into a river. <laughs> he's finished and then we have a little little scene right at the end where the kid's back to his normal life he's going for a little swim uh, in the same way that Chris Hemsworth went for a swim at the start of the film it's a little callback which is weird because then, Hemsworth never told him he used to do that so it's just a weird cosmic coincidence that these two people now deal with grief in the exact same way <laughs> and uh, yeah and then you just see out of focus the big fucking brutal outline of Chris Hemsworth <laughs> brutal and his, outline <laughs> his big meaty body and it's just like are you serious are you serious you're bringing super dad back to life but so like who can else utter- could it be that's the it, thing it's well, like it, uh, what, uh, I was like oh, maybe it could be someone else but who else <laughs> you know it's just oh my god bringing him back from the dead it was like oh it, and again if it had just gone for the pu- pu- pure action film side, you'd be like, ah, it's naff, but okay, cool. Lining up for a sequel. Sequel which has already been confirmed. Oh, really? There will be an extraction too. Oh, so Chris Hemsworth just survived then. Is that confirmed? Or is Basic- it well, going to be a different person? Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't, maybe. Maybe not. Ah, mm. oh, we'll see. We'll, we'll find out with extraction two. Reddit at last! Would you consider the audio edition of the life-changing magic of tidying to be better than the print version? Bought the book two weeks ago, but it took me getting it on Audible to get me started. Finished it in two days and have since filled my car with old clothes and books. Home already looks and feels better. Looking forward to carrying on decluttering tomorrow. So, basically this person was just looking for an excuse to, to start tidying. Just sitting around being like, I don't want to tidy. And then read a book and I was like, okay, now tidy. So you could have just done that without the book. <laughs> Don't hesitate to buy this book. I feel so much lighter after putting my life in order. Definitely one of the most important books. One of the most important books I've read today. Wow. There's also an app that helps take you through the entire process. Good luck, five stars. From Amazon customer. Um, I've got T. Brayford I. Dot, strange username. Very disappointed. It's the first book that I've ever returned. It's not credible in my mind when the author started conversing with inanimate objects and projecting personalities onto them. Objects such as her socks and handbags. 
I knew that we were listening to the delusional ramblings of an obsessive. Save yourself the pain and avoid this one. <laughs> Good heavens. Um, but yeah, because the... So, I did quite like how the kid deals with his grief in the same way as Helmsworth, in the way that it's quite poetic. Again, it's like poetry, so if they rhyme. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's like they rhyme. Um, but it would have been it would have made a lot more sense if Hemsworth had maybe been like oh this is how I used to deal I used to if at some point because you don't leave this you don't leave their side the entire film so there's no point where Hemsworth would have been like oh a real good way I find of dealing with my problems is by meditating underwater um, and the kid <laughs> goes oh I'll remember that for later on it was a nice callback but I felt like it could have done with Hemsworth built, you know, giving him the idea rather than it just being like cosmic cinematic coincidence that that's how they both deal with their problems, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, God. We kind of, we've really put it on blast, haven't we? <laughs> well, the thing I is, did, I, I did I, actually enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, for a film I enjoyed, yeah, it just has a lot of holes. It's just full of holes as Chris Hemsworth is at the end. <laughs> I know. Um,. Yeah, I don't know. I don't actually. I don't really have much else to to say. Like the thing is, there's not actually that much to say about it outside of the main contentious points. There. I mean, is it a good film? For is it a good action film? Yeah. Is are is it well choreographed? Yeah. Is the gunplay fun? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you know, like as as an action film goes, it's pretty good. Is the bad guy like hilariously over the top evil? Yeah. <laughs> you know. He doesn't get his comeuppance at the end, which I thought was quite an interesting take. You know, the, that he got the, shot the in the big, face. The oh, he does as well. I was just about to talk about that as well, and I forgot that was the main guy. He gets his comeuppance at the end in a quite cool sort of hitman style way, where the yeah. uh, where the mercenary lady comes up beside him in the bathroom and pops him one in the head and wanders off. I thought I quite liked how that did seem more like a sort of Hitman 47 style takedown compared yeah. to the to the brutal action of the rest of the film. I thought that was a good juxtaposition. Um, and he does indeed get his comeuppance. Um, so yeah, I totally forgot that happened. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was thinking, oh, it was, it was really interesting twist how the villain actually survives. Uh, but no, he doesn't. Um, no, he doesn't. You clearly forgot that bit. Um, yeah. Well, that's the thing. I kind of almost forgot about this film immediately after having watched it. <laughs> which it, it totally is that kind of film, yeah. you know. It doesn't leave that much of an impression. It's not even um, in our show notes. <laughs> it's not. Um, what I do have to say is, oh, whoever did the costuming for the villain, wow. Oh, that guy, he is, oh, he he's got sharp. some cool threads. He looks sharp, man. Mm. And, yeah, I, I mean... If I, if I was from ba- if I was from Bangladesh and I was a drug lord, I would dress like that, man. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah, and the casting for his disgusting like henchman that throws people over the roof—that's like that is some <laughs> yeah. top-notch casting because that guy looks like an absolute <laughs> horrible bastard. <laughs> like, imagine, like what what's his casting? We cast him as a horrible bastard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, no, so like you say, I do like that they casted a lot of like 
you know, a lot of a lot of actors that you wouldn't really know. They made it quite a sort of almost like a local production, which is yeah. really good. The comic book that this is based on is uh, set in uh, Mexico, so I wonder if it was like a budgetary reason why they shifted the setting to uh, Bangladesh. But it still works as a as a concept, you know. Yeah, I mean, why would they do it? Maybe it just works better in Bangladesh for the story. I'm not sure. Yeah, and as you know, I think it might be just budget reasons, like film stuff. Maybe they could get the insurance to do stuff in 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 other countries. It's like it's why that's why the raid was filmed in um, Indonesia. Uh, Indonesia, because like insurance premiums were so low for an action film of that caliber. They were originally going to film it in France, I think. But uh, they couldn't afford it because <laughs> because <laughs> the French was like, "Nah, we're not gonna pay you insurance for the insane shit that you're gonna gonna be pulling off." So they went to Indonesia, <laughs> where they were like, "Yeah, sure, just smash a guy's head into a door. Why not?" <laughs> yeah, uh, but it worked. You know, it's it feels feels kind of exotic. You know, like you're going on a journey across the world in this time where we're not allowed to even leave our house. Uh, you know, just to get super wanky about it, but uh, you know, yeah, it's pretty wanky. I was doing hand movements and everything as well. It was uh, pretty something, something it, special. I mean, it is an audio medium, so the 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 audience can't see. But your I could, but I, I couldn't help but make those hand movements in the character that I was in at that point. You know, hmm. it's one of those statements that you kind of had to get into a into a whole thing. I suppose it's quite tired me out. <laughs> I um, uh. I am beginning to feel like we have extracted all we can from extraction. And I did expect to... Initially, I was like, yeah, yeah, we can talk a lot about it. But I think we've actually kind of hit all of the main points well, fairly quickly. It's one of those things... So this is one of my suggestions for Topic of the Week. And as soon as I'd finished watching it, I was like, fuck. Because <laughs> like, there's nothing really to say about it. Because I'd heard a lot of good things about it um, the week it came out. That people were saying, oh, it's a really good action movie on Netflix. It's, uh, I think they're going for some kind of, you know, Netflix want to do a bunch of awards and stuff, but I think people were just saying, oh, it's really good action from Netflix. So I was like, all right, great, we can talk a lot about it. Didn't do any research into it. And I was like, let's just make a topic of the week, screw it. And you were like, yeah, don't tell me anything. And I was like, yeah, I won't look at anything either. And then I watched it and I was like, ha, not much to say about, uh, about this uh, extravaganza. It was good. It was. It's I enjoyed it, but it's, what can you say? I think we've said it all. I think we literally have said it all. Uh, so would you? Um, would you go outside for extraction? Would you uh, allow Chris Hemsworth to extract you for extraction? <laughs> <laughs> um, I would allow Chris Hemsworth to extract me. <laughs> <laughs> Mainly, I, you know what? I think it's a good film, and like, look, it's not it's not a ten out of ten by any means. But you know, what? I had a good time with it. Then, with if I put my moral grievance grievances aside, it, yeah, it's a good film. I'd go outside for extraction. Would you go outside for extraction? Yeah, I would. I yeah, it was good. It was decent. It's the what well, a lot of potential for it to be a terrible action movie. I mean, there's hundreds of those about, but it was certainly on the on the good tier of uh, of the action movie. If you enjoy films, like we've said multiple times, if you enjoy films like The Raid, if you enjoy films like John Wick, then give this one a watch. It's good. Well, what I, 
yeah, basically what I would say is if if you like the idea of extraction and you've not seen the raid, watch the raid instead. <laughs> yeah. Do that. This is like this is like diet raid. <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds like the worst energy drink in the world. <laughs> diet raid does actually sound like an energy drink. Uh, and in fact I imagine there is an energy drink called Raid. Um <laughs> I mean there must be. Oh no, that's uh, it's a bug spray is Raid, isn't it? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I suppose in this post-apocalypse, that's probably what the mutants are drinking for for energy. Yeah, I think there was some diet raid in the last batch of uh, beefsteak brew. <laughs> hey, beefsteak brew! Uh, yeah. Use your offer code. Don't go outside. Drink beefsteak for a ten percent subscription 10% reduction. Ten percent off your, your next crate of diet raid. Oh, diet raid! Drink it. You'll. You won't get coronavirus, but you'll get something just as bad. You'll get leukemia, just like Chris Hemsworth's kid. Why did you have to pick the sad disease? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, God, cut that bit, please. (laughs) What, the sad disease? (laughs) I like dubbing leukemia as the sad disease. (laughs) (laughs) We can't be laughing about this. It's shocking. I know, it's sad. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, should we should we tie this tie this mother up with a nice bow? Yeah, let's and... tie this all together. Um, fuck Marie Kondo. <laughs> give us Assassin's Creed in the Cold War. Uh, read some more Marvel com. Read current Marvel comic books because they're they seem to be getting better. And uh, watch Extraction if you feel like it. You know it's all right. How's that for a summary? That about sums it up, and as always, guys, don't go outside. As always, guys, don't go outside uh, unless Chris Hemsworth comes a-knocking at your door, because uh, he'll do a good job of protecting you from uh, all the, all the from, you know, the hard-working police force and our brave boys in the army. Chris Hemsworth will shoot them all dead just to bring you home to your deadbeat dad. 